<clears throat> okay, recording. You have a story to tell, and maybe you've thought, I should start a podcast. Meet Anchor. It's a powerful app that lets you record a podcast anywhere and get it heard everywhere. All you need to do is download the free Anchor app and hit record. Just go to anchor.fm slash get started. Your story matters. Make a podcast with Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash get started. Great. I think we got it. What's up, guys? Welcome to this podcast. My name is Solomon Ali at Solomon Ali NBA on Twitter. Here, joined by Dave Hardesty, otherwise known as Clutch Fans on Twitter. How you doing, man? Good. How about yourself, man? I've been all right. I've been all right. It's been it's been quite a while since I uploaded a podcast. It's good to be back. It's good to be back on regular <laughs> uploading schedule. Um, it, it it is very strange. Just like there's not really any noteworthy Rockets event going on, but I still, I know. but I still feel guilty not uploading. Like, I, like it's there's still a part of me that's like I sh- really should be put, putting something out there. So we're doing that today, uh, 24 hours before the lottery, because this is probably the most notable event of the Rockets calendar year. <laughs> um, uh, I, I would say uh, since the James Harden trade, there's not going to be anything more consequential than this. Yeah, you're right. I mean, and first of all, it's funny you mentioned that because I've been feeling that way too. Like, you know, the Rockets aren't involved in anything. I mean, frankly, I mean, I, we had Jay Sean Tate, obviously, uh, you know, be first team rookie. That was awesome. But really, no rumors to speak of. But I think it's the lottery that could hold up a lot of this stuff. Uh, once we kind of have an idea where the Rockets are picking, then I think you might hear the Rockets get involved, whether it's, you know, they're at 18, 23, and 24 or they're one of the top four picks in 23 and 24. I think they're going to be a team that you're going to hear a lot about, uh, you know, leading up to the the draft next month. Yeah, normally this is just another day on the calendar for the Rockets, but for the first time in nearly 20 years, this lottery carries quite a bit of significance for Houston. I mean, it's a monumentous event. Like, not only because the Rockets have the worst record in basketball, but because the Rockets can only keep their pick if they land the top four of the lottery, which they have a 52% chance of doing. So roughly a coin flip. Uh, yeah. if, if it goes the other way at 48%, they swap picks and end up at number 18, as you said, where Miami is, is supposed to draft. And if that happens, that's just a gut punch for the organization. No matter how much contingency planning Houston has done, there's really no way to make up for that kind of a fall. It's the kind of fall that sets an organization back like five years. So if you're Houston, <laughs> it is paramount that things go your way on Tuesday. Yeah, I think, you know, and you're absolutely right. It does set them back. No question. I think if they're able to get a top, you know, one of the top four picks, but say it's one, two or three, I think, which are probably the, the very best. I think all four of the top four are great, but um, it's going to really launch them to, into getting started, having an identity. I mean, if they were to come away with a Cade Cunningham or an Evan Mobley or a Jalen Green, I mean, now you've at least got a significant chip in the game. I mean, it, Kevin Porter Jr. and Christian Wood are nice, but you're adding a, a blue chip prospect. So um, it's it's pretty important. I mean, if they if it end up falling back, uh, you know, you're looking at, you know, a roll of the dice, getting a role player or getting a guy that has a lot of flaws or, or a lot of um, development to do. 
could end up being a, something special, but you know, the odds are obviously working against you at that spot. Yeah, right now I look at their roster. I'm like, yeah, they got some interesting stuff, but not there's not really a blue chipper there. Like I know there's a lot of people excited about Kevin Porter Jr. I don't think he's proven that he's a blue chipper. Like he had that 50 and 11 game. Like yeah, that's that's really exciting, and it put him on the map for me for sure. Like definitely had to watch him more. But again, there's not really like KJ Martin did a lot of exciting things toward the end of the season, but. You know, these guys were drafted in the second round, right? And, and I think Kevin Porter Jr. was late first. If I yeah, I think it was the last pick of the first round. I think something like that. But right, yeah. essentially a, a second round pick, though. But and, and same thing with Christian Wood, undrafted guy. Like there wasn't anybody. There's nobody on this roster that really had any expectations coming into the NBA. And the right now, the Rockets are you know potentially have they have the ability to draft three of those kinds of players now. Obviously, there's a big drop off from four to uh, 18, 22, 23, and 24. So we're going to talk about that. You're the best person to ask about this because of your site <laughs> and, and how t- in tune you are with the fans. Uh, you're, you're a fan yourself. and You're not shy about it. On a scale of one to 100, how nervous are the diehards right now? Because I can tell you this from personal experience. It's starting to leak into the casual fan base. Like normally, you wouldn't expect casual fans to know things, know about things like pick swaps, but it's out there, man. Like I've been approached on more than one occasion about the lottery. Like, so how nervous are the diehards about this? Is there a is this the driving conversation topic on the Clutch Fans forums? Yeah, a hundred percent. It is the driving um, topic, and I would probably put it at about an 90 percent nervous. I mean, there's. Uh, I think some fans have kind of the right mindset where they say, okay, I'm just telling myself it's 18 and I can't possibly be disappointed uh, on lottery night and I can only get a bonus of a trade up to a top four pick. And that might be the right way to approach it. But it, it's, you know, you mentioned the casual fans and I, I have always been nervous. I've always wanted to tweet out about this like, hey, I want all of you to know that this is not a slam dunk because even, you know, the last couple of months people are like, Hey, we got to keep losing for, to get Cade Cunningham. And, and that's not how it works. I mean, the the Rockets were pretty much a lock, you know, last month or two to be one of those bottom three teams. And, um, you know, they were going to have the best lottery odds that they can. But, you know, every time I tell you someone that I see a mock draft and it has, you know, the Houston Rockets are the number one pick because they're the worst team taking Cade Cunningham. I cringe because it's it's a 14% chance and there are two other teams that have that exact same 14% chance. It's not a very great, you know, uh, those odds aren't very great, I should say. Um, so I, I get nervous when people just automatically expect, maybe it's the casual fan base, that they should be getting Cade Cunningham or the number one pick. Um, because like you said, it's a coin toss whether they can just get a top four pick, any one of the top four pick top four picks and then you know the the flip side of that is falling to five which as you pointed out would go to OKC and and the Rockets would get 18 so I think some people who don't follow it enough um, would be stunned to find out that the Rockets pick 18th if if lottery results do not go their way right like is this the second or the third year that, that we're playing with the flattened lottery odds uh, it's the third year, and there have been, you know, like I said, the, the bottom three teams have this exact same lottery odds. And as you would expect, there's been so there's been six teams in two seasons that have those odds. Three made the top four, three did not. Yeah, um, Cle- Cleveland both years 
in 2019 and 2020 was in the bottom three and ended up fifth both times, I believe. They, they certainly were outside the top four. I think it was fifth. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it does make you nervous. I mean, you know, it's been a while since the Rockets have been in the lottery, but I do feel like, and I, I don't say this just because the Rockets are in this spot. I just feel like this is tough for teams that are really down on their luck to face these kind of odds. And I understand that they're trying to stop tanking. It didn't necessarily work. I mean, take a look at what OKC did in the final, you know, 25, 30 games and, Tanking is very much alive and well. It's just the the benefits aren't there like they used to be. Yeah, they curved tanking in a different way. Like like teams aren't trying to tank like on the margins anymore. But on the on the whole, there's still a huge incentive to lose, right? Uh, there's still a huge incentive to be a bottom three team. And uh, I don't know for for Houston, it's going to be a weird experience, right? Like you're really waiting on one pick. Like you're going to be watching the entire lottery for the five pick, right? Like and. and I feel yeah. I feel like it's different if they were number two and like it, it, it could have extended down to like what's seven or eight. I don't, I don't know what I don't quite remember where it extended down to. But literally you're watching for one pick that that's got to up the theatrics there. Yeah, it is. I mean, obviously they're going to go from 14 to five. Right. And as you go, you're going to know if any team has slipped into the top four. You know, if they suddenly skip a team, um, then you know that they're going to have slipped into the top four. But the drama and suspense will always be there for Rocket fans because, you know, say everything went to form all the way up to six and you're about to announce the fifth pick. I mean, all that means is that those bottom five teams are all there and they all have great odds um, at, at being in that top four. Or they, I, sh- I shouldn't say great odds. They have all have similar odds and the best odds of, of them all. So, it, you know, the Rockets aren't out of the woods if everything goes to form. It's it's still going to be, uh, you know, there's going to be suspense. So, yes, if the Rockets are, you know, if they announce the fifth pick, it's not the Rockets. And, and then, you know, there's going to be a, a, a party, a celebration. And I think uh, I'm g- sure, obviously, I'm going to be interested to see if they, if they get in the top four, if they can move to three, two or one. But the, for me, it's just going to be this sigh of relief this excitement because any I'm, I'm legitimately happy with any of the top four picks. Yeah. I'm just wondering like how many people are going to like go to a sports bar to go watch this thing. Like, is this like a, a known event in Houston? Like, is it just like people who are really into the NBA? Because I know I, I've, I've been approached by casual fans, but I feel like they're all going to be watching at home. Like, is there going to be like an event party type of type of viewing for this thing? I, I don't think so. I mean, I may be wrong. I have not heard of anything like this. Uh, and maybe I think the diehards could do it for sure. Yeah, you, but I you think, would think so, right? Right. But I think it would take – you don't have to be as diehard to do that for the draft because the draft is this great big event. Right. But the, the lottery is – you know, it's done in two minutes, if not less. And so – I, I'm just not sure if you would see it as a as a huge fan event. The Sixers did something like this with the with the Ricky Sanchez folks, right? Like they had they had a similar pick swap situation, and they and like they were they were all stressing about it up until the lottery day, and they had a lottery party, I believe. I, th- I think this is the the party where they were they hung up that hinky banner, if I'm not mistaken. If it, that might have been. The, that might have been the year after or the year before, but it was around that time where the Sixers fans were all getting together, and they, I, I believe they had some sort of lottery party. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like there should be some sort of event. Like I don't know. If, I, <laughs> if I'm a fan, I would definitely want to go to something like this, even if it's only 20 minutes, because it's just, it's just such high drama. And, and to get that five seconds to celebrate with another fan... 
Like if you if it lands uh, Houston oh, yeah. ways, I, I just I, that's got to be such like the euphoria there. It's got to be amazing. Um, oh yeah, and especially if they if they were able to get the number one pick, it would be uh, it would be a huge event. I mean, it would be something that you would want to you know as far as a, a diehard Houston Rocket fan, you would remember where you were when you saw it happen. I mean, that's how I felt when Yao when they won the number one pick when with Yao Ming. That was. Uh, a completely surreal and I was kind of stunned and numb for a second. And it was just um, a shock, but um, and I think it will be as well in, in this case, but there's just so many different emotions in this one. I've, I don't think I've ever, I don't ever remember the Rockets being in a situation where it had to unfold in a certain way, or they essentially lose their pick or fall way back. So, I mean, there have been some teams like this. I remember, I think in 03 Memphis had traded their pick, in an Otis Thorpe trade years before, and they needed to, the only way they could keep that pick is if, if it was the number one pick. And, um, you know, that which would have been LeBron James, and they ended up getting the new, number two pick, which went to Detroit uh, as a result. But, you know, to me, there are, it's just high drama for the, for the Rockets. And it, it's, it would be a huge blow to the Rockets if they end up falling to 18, but it's going to be a blow to OKC if the Rockets get in the top four as well. I think they counted on this swap you know I certainly by midseason they're like wow we're gonna get a great pick from Houston and um I, for them to just get nothing out of that out of this swap after building up that you know suspense or expectation I should say for the last few months I think that would be a, a tough blow to OKC as well yeah I remember asking someone like a uh, diehard about this right like if if the basketball gods were to come down right now and guarantee you get the fourth pick Right, like no questions asked. You don't have to go through with the lottery, but you, you, but you have to dispose of your any chance of getting one through three. And before I could even get the question out, I take the four pick. I take the four pick. <laughs> yes, it's, it, it is like that. It is like that. Like they, it's it, they they're just the relief of keeping the 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 top four pick is so high right now. And and the thing is, you're going to have you're going to get a good player at four. I mean, um, you're going to probably get Jalen Suggs, or if you wanted to go for a defensive wing, you could go Kaminga. And so, I think you're going to get a very good player, a player of the caliber. You're not going to be able to get at 18. So, yes, I would take that. I mean, if it was available, I would jump at it. So, yeah. So I'm someone who only watches the tournament up until my Cougars get eliminated. I'm normally not a big college basketball guy. I'm normally, I, I normally just read up and watch videos of, of the top prospects like two weeks before the draft. Like you're kind of the polar opposite. Like you're a draft nerd. Like you love talking college <laughs> basketball prospects. So I know you're pretty excited about the prospect of Houston having three first round picks this year. I want to talk about the top four uh, best guys in the draft in a minute. But before we do that, can we briefly discuss like the strength at the top of this draft and how swiftly it drops off like the talent after that? Because we know that it's top heavy, but is there good talent to be had in the teens and 20s? I do think so. I, I really do. I think there's obviously, uh, you know, to be honest with you, I like a lot of the guys in the 6 to 15 range. Um, there's a handful that I would prefer not be on the Rockets and a handful that I really would love to get. I mean, uh, for example, I like Scotty Barnes. I think Scotty Barnes is a guy who um, could have a Draymond type of impact in the game. I mean, he's not, I, you know, I, I should tell you now, I, I have lean highly towards shooters. I, I, I want guys who can shoot. Um, I think, you know, not to belabor the point, but you look at Gobert and, and Simmons and we're seeing this front and center in the NBA right now. If you can't shoot, uh, there, you better be incredible, phenomenal at a bunch of other things. 
Um, and so I, I lean towards guys who are really good at shooting um, or are so good at so many other things and, and are young enough that you think to yourself, we can, we can improve this shot. So, um, but yes, I, I sincerely feel a top four. Uh, I mean, I love the guys that are going back to about 18, 19, 23 and 24, you're still going to get some solid players, but I, let's see how the draft unfolds, who slips through the cracks. Um, but the, to me, the top four, maybe top five, um, are really where it's at. I mean, Cade Cunningham's a two-way player, uh, you know, a guy who, you know, I would not say a sure thing, but I think he's a guy who could be great in this league, could be a big name and a, and a, and a star. Um, and I think at two and three, you know, both Evan Mobley and uh, uh, Green as well. I think both of these guys are are have the potential to be special players. I've kind of gone back and forth, to be honest with you, between Jalen Green and Evan Mobley at, at two. Um, I think right now I'm leaning towards Mobley, but I would uh, if if you know Green was there, I think he'd be a great pick as well. And if you're fourth, Suggs is a great consolation prize. I mean, all these guys. Uh, to me, or like we mentioned before, our blue chip prospects. So yeah, I don't think you can go wrong uh, being in any of those top four spots. Let's back up a little bit and talk about Kate Cunningham because sure. I feel like the consensus is starting to harden a little bit and he is going to be the number one overall pick. As of this moment, if I were to bet money on it, I, I feel like it's the, the obvious money is Kate. Right. And, yeah. and I see it, right? Like he has great size, very well-rounded player. Uh, the talent is clearly there. And I see a lot of Luka Doncic comparisons. I don't quite see that. Like for me, and I don't know if you see this, he reminds me a little bit of McGrady. I don't see the passing there with Luka. Like I think he has he has good pick and roll ability, right? That's clearly present. Uh, he's a pretty good defender. And I feel like like the size and the ability to play the shooting guard position, right? Like it's it's really rare to see a six eight shooting guard. Here it just screams McGrady to me. Like, it, it, do you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I think that's a good comparison. I, I don't like. I think you pointed out. I don't think he's. I mean, I think McGrady was a very good passer. I don't think he's as good there. It's certainly not as good a passer, in, in my opinion, as Luca. Um, but what you love about him is he, he doesn't. You know, he's he's got great size. Uh, he's I think he's six eight, and he can play both ways. I mean, he's a guy who. I mean, he's drawn some comparisons to Ben Simmons. I don't think he's as good defensively as Ben Simmons, but he's very good defensively. He's not going to be a guy, a ball-dominant player, that is a liability on the other end of the floor. And that's that's huge. I think his, he's, a, you know, he's a good shooter, but I think uh, you know, he's going to have to continue to improve a little bit there. I mean, he's not, there's not a weakness. Uh, it's not, that's not a weakness. I just think he's, uh, to be elite, he's going to have to be a little bit better there. But uh, that's what I love about him. I mean, he does he, both ends of the floor. He's going to be great. So, I mean, we've we've been, you know, at least in the early years of Harden, we had this in, insane offensive player who was a weakness, a liability on the defensive end. He became much better, and, and you, you put him in spots where he was good uh, defensively. But, you know, Cade at this age already is very good defensively. So that's what it, you – what I get excited about now, I refuse. <laughs> I think I mentioned to you before. I refuse to to think the Rockets have this great shot at getting him. I'd be pleasantly surprised if they do get the number one pick. Um, but that I, I think he's uh, a blue chip talent and very worthy of the number one pick. That's exactly where I would go if I ended up number one. 
Yeah, I hear you. Um, let's talk about some of these other guys at the top of the draft. Uh, you briefly touched on them, but as I said before, like the words out there, this is supposed to be a pretty top-heavy draft. How many potential cornerstone pieces do you think are there? Because you said four, I said four earlier, but a lot of people have thrown Jonathan Kaminga in that mix, right? The way I've come to understand it is uh, Cade Cunningham is closing in to be the consensus number one, and then after that, there's a, there's a tier two of Evan Mobley, Jalen Green, and Jalen Suggs. Do you personally have a preference there? Is it Mobley? Like, I... I I see a lot of people nervous about the potential of drafting a big man at number two, right? Like it, it's it's like the Anthony Davis thing, right? Like you're not sure if that second if that guy can be your primary ball handler and and lead a good offense. But I still think there's room for big guys at the top of the draft. I see some of the talent that's already been drafted there, like Zion. Obviously, is, is the is the easy one, but is there a guy outside of Kate Cunningham that you look at? I'm like that guy clearly asked the makings of a star. He deserves to be the second pick. Or do you still think it's kind of up in the air right now and kind of team dependent? Well, I, 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 I draw a line of separation between Mobley Green and Suggs. And I like Jalen Suggs a lot. Um, I personally think both Mobley and Green have that type of potential. Um, I, I, for a while, Jalen Green had moved up, you know, my, sort of my charts or my, the, you know, in my eyes up to number two. That I think he has the potential. He's extremely athletic, electric, uh, athletically. And I, I mean, just, he flies to the rim. You watch him and he, he's very young and he was, a. I mean, I think if I'm not mistaken, the number one prospect coming out of high school. Um, and he's, he's very skilled. He's not, uh, you know, it's not like it, it's an athlete who just has to, who has to get better at so many different areas. I mean, he does have to improve and work, but he's very skilled coming out of, um, uh, at command of the draft at this age. So I like him a lot. I think he's, if the Rockets ended up with Jalen Green, I'd be doing cartwheels. But I put Mobley a hair behind him because I think he has very special potential as a big. And I'm with you. I've, I've felt like if you're going to draft a big in this league, you know, I don't want to say they're a dime a dozen, but you can get a guy who can, you know, set screens, run to the, to the you know, roll to the basket, alley-oops, uh, and defend that you know that you can get guys who can fill that type of role but i think he's unique in that he's got the quickness to uh guard guys that are not just centers he can switch he could probably he's he has this plenty of size so you wouldn't call it small ball but i think he's got the quickness uh and the speed and the the smarts to be uh what you would call a traditional or a, a small ball center a, a guy who switches and can and can um you know run in fast lineups so I like him just a hair better right now than Green um, at two. But to me, those two guys, Green and Mobley, are are two A and two B, um, and then Suggs I got at four. And and, and as far as Kuminga is concerned, I think he's got enormous potential. But I don't think I think you would be disappointed on a complete a, a team that's rebuilding at the very bottom. Uh, to roll him out there and expect some sort of impact. I think he's, I don't want to call him a project, but I think you've got, you're going to have to be patient with him. It's going to take uh, a year or two for him to start to blossom. But I mean, he's, you know, drawn some comparisons as far as his defensive ability because of his size to uh, a Kawhi Leonard type of player. But like I said, I think you'd have to be pretty patient with him as he develops. This episode is brought to you by Cox Home Life. Cox helps make your home smarter. And now you can see what's happening around your home right from your couch. Just pull up your home life cameras on your TV with your Contour voice remote and some simple voice commands. 
Need to keep an eye on the kids when they're outside? Say, show me my backyard camera. And to see who's at the door, just say, show me my front porch camera. To learn more, visit cox.com slash thisishome. Yeah, the floor seems to be lower on him than these other prospects, right? And um, it would be interesting to see a team take a swipe at him because it's it's kind of a gamble gamble because this top four is kind of hardened around these four guys right Mobley Cunningham Suggs and Green and I feel like if a team were to reach out and grab Kaminga it would be it would definitely be a story it would be a ballsy thing to do I would probably you know I I would probably differ with you I'd probably take Green at at number two but Jalen Suggs I it, it, it wouldn't surprise me if a team decides to take him at number two Interesting. So, where would you put Mobley on your Rockets top four at four? No, if see if I if I were the Rockets, I would play it safe and take Mobley at three. Okay, right, but I and Suggs at four. Yeah, but there's just a part of me that just really likes the idea of Suggs as an NBA lead guard. Oh, I think he's going to be great. Yeah, I mean, somebody. I don't think it's it's not a exact comparison, but somebody kind of called him a poor man's Chris Paul and that he's going to be a solid leader. He's not the, he's not the, the uh, playmaker passer, you know, at quite that, that Chris Paul is. So I don't want to make that, that kind of comparison in that regard, but I think he's a guy who is probably going to be in the league for a long time and be very good, very solid. Um, and, you know, he's, he's been on a winning program. He's been the leader of a winning program. Um, th- I mean, I, I'm doing Carl Wills as well if I get Jalen Suggs. I mean, if I, like I said, you asked if I would take just the fourth pick right now, and I would, and that's who I would um, would take there most likely if if things went to form. So I'd be thrilled with Jalen Suggs. I just think there's a there's a dividing line just a little bit because I think if you get one of those top three picks, if everything goes to form, I think those guys have a little bit more special potential. Uh, and again, I may be wrong, but I think I think Jalen Green has special potential. I think. Mobley does as well as far as, um, you know, being a modern day big. Uh, and we've talked about Kate Cunningham. So I just think that those three uh, are just a cut above. But I love Jalen Suggs if, if the Rockets ended up fourth. Yeah, I just wouldn't be surprised if a team took him at number two or three is what I'm saying. I, I, I don't if I were to guess, I think he's probably going four, but I would not be surprised if someone yeah. takes him at two or three. It's certainly, and obviously workouts going to play a big role. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody falls in love, they could make trade down a pick or two. Yeah, but you know, it, it's possible. I mean, Jalen Suggs, uh, it's not uh, out of the realm of possibility for him to go two or three. So uh, I, I think any one of those four are, are very good. So the bottom of the of, of the lottery, I am so unfamiliar with. So t- name a guy who... You know, maybe not. Maybe doesn't have star potential, but you'd be really happy with if he falls to eighteen. Like it, 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 things don't go the Rockets' way, but you're really happy that you got this guy at eighteen. Wow, that's actually tough to say because it, it's you know I, I could get greedy and tell you somebody like Jalen Johnson or Scotty Barnes, which I I don't think yeah, any I, one I, of those guys. I don't think Scotty Barnes is falling that far. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, and same thing with with uh, Davion Mitchell out of Baylor and you know Keon Johnson. Those guys I, I like a lot. Um, those are top ten guys. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, okay, I'll tell you a guy I, I like a lot. I don't think he has 
the upside of the other players, but I think he's going to be very good in the league. And that's Moses Moody out of Arkansas. I think he's already one of the better shooters, I think, in the first round. Uh, you know, he's not as good as um, Corey Kispert, but he's a very good shooter. Um, he's got good size, 6'8". He's only 19. Um, I think he's going to be a, a solid player for a lot of years. Um, I just don't see quite the enormous upside. I and mean, I don't think you're going to see just this enormous upside at, at uh, 18, 23, 24. But um, there are going to be some guys that, you know, you, you never know um, that could just blossom out of that spot. Um, a guy I like, but I don't think, ha- you know, I think he's just going to be a solid player in the league. I, th- I don't think he's going to be um, anything special, but I think he's going to surprise a lot of people, be- but I think he's being overlooked because he is, I think 23 might be 24 by the next year. And that's Chris Duarte out of Oregon. Um, he's already a solid defensive player and he's a great shooter. He's got good, solid size, six, six, um, one ninety. He's not like, blazingly fast or anything, but I like him a lot. I think he's, um, has, I think he might be overlooked a little bit along the lines of a Desmond Bain was, um, a year ago when that Memphis took him, um, just because of his age. So like I said, I lean, I favor shooting. I want to see guys come in here that, that can shoot the ball And, and, you know, the Rockets, you know, if they don't end up with a top four pick, especially they just need to add, just as much solid uh, youth as they can, because there are teams now you're looking at Memphis, Atlanta, you know, they've got some stars, obviously, uh, you know, John Morant and and Trey young, but they just continually added solid young players with, with good upside and it's paying off for them, whether it's, they're going to keep going on this path or they're going to package some of those guys for uh, a star or a better player. Um, That's what the Rockets need to do. They need to add, solid guys uh, at those spots. Yeah, like the Rockets are like, uh, I've said this before, they are like at stage zero of rebuilding. Like they have two players under the age of 25, right? That's KJ Martin and Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, And like, other than that, it's it's pretty much guys in their mid-20s. So there's not much, there's not many young prospects there. So so, um, I I definitely agree that this draft will go a long way to refilling that cupboard. Not only like just like if they want to be a good team someday, but like these are trade assets. It's interesting. Like Duarte right now, I'm looking at ESPN.com right now. He's 24. He's going to be in that range for Houston. Uh, same thing with uh with Moody. He's in that 18 range. So it it's going to be interesting to see where they actually end up in the lottery and you know where you know where these guys go but i i think these guys are definitely in the realm of possibility yeah you know let me let me throw this out there sort of for, for your listeners as well like i here's like a dilemma that i have in this draft i mean and i look at a guy like josh giddy and uh, out of australia he's 18 he's a bit of a a wonder kind or just like a, a guy who you know he draws some comparisons to luca but he's not you know in any way luca he's a, a very good playmaker he's like i said six eight um, he's only, like I said, only 18 years old, but he really has a major flaw in that he is shooting. He's a very good playmaker. He finds, you know, the right, makes the right plays. How, you know, can you draft this guy knowing he can do everything else and is basically a bigger version of Ricky Rubio, uh, and, and think to yourself, I'm going to, de- we're going to develop his shot or rework his shot. And to me, I, I, I frown upon that. I overlook. So I'm hoping Giddy goes before. Uh, the Rockets picking those. And I think he will at 23 before 23 and 24, but you know, 
you, you have to weigh this tantalizing upside and and sort of you know young savant, if you will, overseas versus the fact that he can't shoot. And once he gets to that high level, it, you're going to see the same thing that happened to Russell Westbrook last year with the Rockets to to Ben Simmons this year. You know, you're just gonna they're gonna leave him alone out there, and your the rest of your team is at a at a disadvantage. So. To me, I avoid prospects like this that have that problem. But you know what? Kawhi Leonard came out into the league and, and shooting. He, he was, I think, shot 29% his last year in college, if I'm not mistaken, from three and, and may have been overlooked because of that. So to me, it's I don't look at guys and say to themselves, they go from 25, 30% shooters to 40% shooters, but it has happened. I just don't look at it as a likely event. Yeah, somebody I'm going to be watching really closely over the next couple of years just to see how strong Houston's development staff really is is KJ Martin, right? This is a guy who is, you know, his his one of his major weaknesses coming out of the draft was shooting, and he comes out, shoots 36.5% from three his first season. If he can keep that up, like, or just, just a hair below that. I mean, that that does speak well for John Lucas and, and, and that staff Houston has down there. Um, I, I do think it is a really big burden to draft someone that has that big of a hole, especially if they're a guard or if they're a ball handler type. Oh, that's exactly it. Right? Yeah. Like, at the power forward center position, right, you can get away with that. But even then, it's like, like Ben Simmons right now is someone who is – without a roster in the NBA that like it's really hard to find a fit right he's probably a power forward in today's NBA and yet it's really really difficult to find a team that has four shooters that could fit him into their offense right like 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 the Blazers have been a, a, of discussion a lot over the last few days right but is is he really going to work next to Nurkic like crowding the paint like that like I don't know like the Mavericks would make a lot of sense but like they don't have any assets right like they're it's really hard to fit even power forwards nowadays that can't shoot into NBA offenses yeah Ben Simmons is it blows my mind obviously he has regressed or gotten a little bit worse certainly it's mental now when you look at the free throw aspect and how he's you know dropped off a cliff basically it's mental. I mean, there's the, he's, he's terrified to shoot the ball and, and, and did not want to be fouled. And so I think we saw that, uh, you know, with that now famous play at the end of the, you know, uh, fourth quarter of game seven. So, uh, to, but it's just becoming so apparent in this league that you need guys who can shoot. And if you have a guy who cannot shoot, he better be a center or your center better be very comfortable outside of the three point line. And, you know, Joel Embiid is, but his strength is around the basket and, and the paint. So you're, you're bringing him out there. Um, you know, you're not putting him in his, in his sweet spot. So, you know, Philly's got a very tough decision to make. I don't envy Daryl now. I mean, for them to go from a position where, you know, if they had just sweetened the pot a little bit, they could have got James Harden and been free of that contract to now, um, you know, Ben Simmons is still a, a good player. Teams would want him. But do they want him on that contract? Four years, a hundred and I don't know what it is, forty plus million left. Um, I don't think so. I mean, I think it's going to take you know an equivalent salary burden to go back that way, and and then you know you're going to have to exchange picks or something of that nature. But um, his value has dropped significantly, and I think we're just seeing that proven time and time again. If you can't shoot, you like I said, you better be elite at at uh, a bunch of other things. 
and you better have the right pieces around him. I mean, the Rockets brought in Russell Westbrook, had to trade Clint Capella just so they could go small and have four shooters and, and you know, bring in Covington and, and, and move PJ to center. And, um, you know, it, it, it just throws you off on so many other things. You've, you got to be able to shoot in this league, even young guys. I mean, even guys who are coming, um, you know, one rookie of the year, uh, LaMelo ball. I mean, I think he shot 38 plus percent from three guys, coming into the league now and they need to be able to shoot threes. And this is a roster that doesn't have much three point shooting to begin with. Right. Uh, yeah. Like uh, Jay Sean Tate, 30%. Chris, uh, John Wall, 31%. Sterling Brown's probably one of the best shooters on the team. Like that's how bad it is. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's a, it's a need. It's a big time need. And, and you know, I, I don't know if they're going to be able to add significant shooters to the thing. Like I said, I, I like Moses Moody. I like K- Kisper. I think is, is a great three point shooter. I, he's not, um, you know, awesome at, at much else, but you know, reminds me a little bit of a Joe Harris, but um, you know, there's some great shooters in this, in this draft, but I don't know if they're going to come away with uh, you know, they're not going to solve their shooting issues in one draft alone, but um, yeah, it's a problem right now with the Rockets. And, and if they're, you know, going to run with KPJ uh, as the ball handler, they, they got to add shooters around. Let's talk worst case scenario. So the Rockets draw the short end of the stick tomorrow, and they're sending that pick to OKC. Is that the most devastating moment in franchise history? Is that still Chris Paul's hamstring going out in the conference finals? Is Yao Ming's retirement worse, the John Stockton shot? Like, where would you rank this? <laughs> I think you're asking the wrong guy, because I think the the uh, Russell Westbrook trade actually <laughs> you know, ranks up in the top three for me, because that was devastating. Um, but no, I, I that's... That's a great question. I think, you know, the Chris Paul injury is, it has got to be, you know, up there. I mean, you could go way back to, there have been some, some, you know, the John Stockton shot, as you pointed out, was, was a big blow. They had some injuries to Charles Barkley one year when they had a two, one lead and, and that, you know, against Utah in the first round that cost them. But you know, it, it's tough to necessarily rank them, but it, it's going to hurt, but they're going to move on. I mean, it's just going to, it's just going to delay things in my opinion, a year um, because they're just, you know, now they've going to have two years moving forward where, you know, they have no obligations, no, no draft pick obligations. Uh, doesn't pick back up until 24, 25, 26 to OKC again. Um, and if they're terrible next year and let's say they're the worst team in the league, then they're guaranteed their fifth pick, <laughs> you know? Um, but uh, I think they're going to build some through the draft. I, I barring uh, you know something unforeseen here where they completely unload Eric Gordon and John Wall, I think they're they they're probably on a plan where they hope to be good in about two years. Like in other words, two more seasons, and then that I would think that they hope to be back in the playoffs because especially because that's when you know those draft pick obligations pick back up. I wouldn't call it the most dev. I would I think it would make the Westbrook trade. Uh, it would probably move it from a franchise killing trade to, you know, one of the worst all time. I think that would probably be fair to say not, not the worst all time. There's been some horrible trades in the league, but I think, yeah, you know, you would at least kick it around as uh, up there because, you know, look at Chris Paul, look at Russell Westbrook and look at the draft picks of the Rocks. Yeah, they start off right off the bat, giving up the fifth pick of the draft in a, in a, you know, a, a draft that has at least five strong players. So, 
that would be painful. Um, this was but, supposed to be a throw-in pick. Like, like I want to remind you guys. expected this to be at. This, right. This was going to be nothing. Yeah, they weren't going to swap this. I mean, OKC was going to be terrible, and the Rockets were going to be good this year for sure. I mean, then, who thought Harden and, Ruff and Westbrook would both be traded and, before, you know, and, as this season started? And D'Antoni and Darrell would leave. Like that. that this I, there needs to be a book written on this offseason for Houston. Just everything fell apart. Like, and you're seeing it in Dallas too. Like. Like that entire organization just crumbled within two days. The Dallas thing blows my mind because you would think they would say to themselves, given Luca's age and everything, and you know they came so close to, to winning that series that hey, things are looking good. But obviously, there's internal strife, uh, and and you know what? They are in the exact same boat that the Rockets were in, and every team that has a special elite talent is in. I mean, that Philly's about to be in. Because Joel Embiid is going to start calling the shots. And what do you know? Who's the GM? <laughs> Daryl Morey. He's going to be in the exact same situation. Um, and he's, you know, he might be forced to trade Ben Simmons because Joel Embiid's like, if you don't, you know, I'm not saying it's, that's going to happen, but it's possible that he could wield his star power. And that's, in my opinion, what's happening in Dallas as well. Luca's wielding his power. He, they, you know, Cuban and everyone else knows that, he controls things because he's that valuable to them that, you know, if he doesn't like his coach, the coach is gone. If he doesn't like, you know, the GM, the GM's gone. So, you know, the, I think the Rockets got blasted a little bit for giving Harden so much, but it's not abnormal in this league at all. Any team would do the exact same thing. Did you see the quotes coming out of Philly like yesterday? No, it was I mean, I couldn't believe Embiid said that. I couldn't believe Doc Rivers said that. I mean, you just don't see. And Doc had to come and clean it up today. Yeah. <laughs> like he, he came in and said, oh, I think Ben Simmons can improve. I think, you know, he there's a bunch of areas of his game. He can improve. Like he had an entirely different tone just last night. It was just, it was nuts. It was nuts. And all, and all Doc had to say was, yes, of course, I think he could be, a, you know, point guard of a championship team. I believe that, you know, wholeheartedly. And instead he said, I, you know, I can't answer that or I don't know. I don't, I don't remember the exact answer, but but basically did not give him a vote of confidence. Um, so, I, you know, and those Philly fans are far from forgiving. So I don't I don't know what's going to happen. I anticipate that he'll be traded. Um, I think he's, you know, he's elite defensively. He's a very good playmaker. He's got great size. But that flaw is so enormous. Um, I mean, he is – deathly afraid to shoot the ball. And it's not just threes. I mean, for him to not have developed at this stage of his game, um, some type of threat, you know, as far as being a, sh- uh, a shot maker, um, you know, that there's really no excuse for it. Yeah. And, and at the same time, like their franchise is still in so much of a better place than it were last year. Like the amount of floor spacing, the, the, the crunch they had last year with Al Horford, and playing next to Embiid was just, it was nuts. And oh, yeah, yeah it, it was just, and they, yes, they have a lot of questions to resolve this, this off season. I hope they resolve it. God, I love Philly fans. Those guys are out of their mind, but uh, <laughs> they're definitely in a much better place. And I think it feels right now. I think it feels like the end of the world, but you have Daryl at the helm, right? And, yeah. and, and if you're a Sixers fan, you, that should make you feel a lot better. Yeah, if you're a Sixers fan, you should look at the fact that he flipped Josh Richardson for Seth Curry. And basically, you know, that's a big reason that, that in my opinion, Dallas is in the position that they're in. I mean, they should have kept Seth Curry. Josh Richardson did not pan out for them as they hoped. Uh, and Seth Curry was 
the, I don't want to say second best player, but he certainly was the second best scorer on that team. I mean, he, his three point sh- uh, shooting was what extended that series and, um, you know, made it close basically. So in my opinion, Daryl stole him and he's always placed a premium on shooting. I wish he had gotten Seth Curry while he was with the Rockets, but, um, you know, that was a great trade by him. Uh, I, I do think, you know, missing out on Harden was a swing and a miss and probably should have gone for Kyle Lowry. I don't know how those negotiations went, but I think Lowry could have been the difference maker. I think what is, you know, and I know we're talking about Philly here, but I think what is going to haunt Daryl is, you know, he's always had that phrase on his Twitter uh, account that opportunity is not a lengthy visitor. And this was a golden opportunity for Philadelphia to win it all. I mean, golden. I mean, Brooklyn kind of fell apart. They uh, presumably will be full strength next year. Um, They should have won it all this year. I think that that's the way he's going to look at it. And it's probably going to haunt him similar to, to uh, the way the 2018 Rockets came up short as well. At the very least, this should not have lost that series. I mean, number one seed MVP season for Embiid. Like, I don't care what injuries you have. Like, like, Danny Green is not the difference between beating the Atlanta Hawks and not being the Atlanta Hawks. Like it's just, it's just not. He's just not. Yeah, it's uh, and I, you know, I don't know how the Atlanta Hawks are here. I mean, I know Trey Young's been great. I'm not trying to disparage them or, or criticize them. Um, and those guys have come together. Capella's been very good. Collins has been good. Um, Kevin Herder's been you know playing very well. So you know, hats off to them. Lou Williams was huge in that comeback win. Um, but I'm just stunned, honestly. It's kind of the fact that the that the Hawks are in the Eastern Conference Finals and the Suns are in the Western Conference Finals kind of blows my mind. It, it kind of goes against everything that I've ever known about the NBA is that you've got and to And the Clippers, the Clippers, they haven't made the Conference Finals in their franchise's history. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, obviously Kawhi being hurt, I, I, I did not expect this after he found out he got hurt, but I did think the Clippers were going to the Finals. I, I really did. I thought... With, with before Kawhi got hurt, um, and and again, they, I know they were had their backs to the wall against uh, Dallas, but I mean, going in, I just looked at the fact that they were so good shooting three pointers. I expected them to to uh, pull off a few upsets and, and get there. That that was at least my my pick. But I, I think Phoenix is going to take them out um, now without uh, Kawhi. And but it, it's just amazing to me because like like these young teams have always had to pay their dues. They go up against somebody that they can't beat. And then, you know, they have to knock on that door once, twice, maybe three times to try to get over that hump. Uh, and instead Devin Booker and Trey young are, are already in a conference finals at this age. So, um, and you know, Aiton as well. So it, it just kind of, uh, throws me for a loop. I'm, I'm interested. I know people are knocking the ratings of all this. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm interested in it. It's just surprising that, that, it is where it is. Yeah, it, it was bananas to see Terrence Mann score 39 points in an elimination game. Uh, it, just, it just reminded me so much of that game six with the Rockets. I know we're so far off the reservation. We have to end the podcast some at some point. Um, <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming on, Dave. Where can we find you, your social media, your podcast, and your website? Oh, yeah. It's uh, Clutch Fans on pretty much any social media platform, Twitter, and uh, the website's clutchfans.net. Um, you know, and yeah, that's where we're at. I'll talk to you down the road, Dave. You bet. Thanks for having me on. For sure.